0: Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. The podcast helps those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights. So you can make your prior best your new baseline. Jalen Holly joins the podcast today, and Jalen is an exceptional, exceptional human being. He's a former college athlete and currently works as a model, and in this conversation, we discuss deep insights into masculinity, creating relationships, and Jalen talks about his personal mental health journey. And in other news, this podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, go check out all their products, then use code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 178 with Jalen Hawley. Hello, my friend and welcome to something for everybody my name is Aaron Mashpitz Jalen welcome to the show
1: hey Aaron happy to be here
0: man pumped to see you pumped to hear your voice it's been a little while so I'm excited to catch up and also excited just to dive a little bit deeper into who you are as a person because I know you from my fiance and we spent a good time together new year's that was a couple years ago and we've been following each other since. And, uh, yeah, just, <laughs> I just just want to know you better. And I think um, the insights you have and the things you've gone through, uh, my listeners, this audience, can, can really benefit from that. So I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Of course. Thank you for one heck of an intro. Uh, I'm just a regular guy from Alabama, but I'm happy to, you know, share my story and be able to share it with the masses.
0: Yeah, man. Um, before we get into all of that, I have a very important question to ask you. Talk to and me. And that is... Uh, how are you doing? Like, like really, how are you actually doing?
1: So overall, I'd say I'm in a pretty good spot. Um, I recently found a new therapist. It's something that I had been struggling with for a little while. Uh, when I first moved to Nashville, really wanted to find somebody that could kind of see me as who I was. So I really wanted a black practitioner and, um, it's, it's difficult. You know, a lot of therapy isn't covered by, um, your insurance and things like that. So found a good therapist recently. That's been fantastic. Um, life is good. Um, I'm just in a place where I'm just really grateful and thankful. Um, nothing's ever perfect, but I'm in a place where I'm just happy for every opportunity that I'm blessed with and all I can do is just wake up every day and just say thanks and smile. you know
0: Has your uh, mindset and mentality always been that way, or is it something you've developed uh, recently or what's what's the journey with that? <clears throat>
1: I'd say I've always been a pretty positive person. You know, I've always tried to look at the positive outlook uh, on life and just the situations you're in, always trying to find the silver lining of sorts. But I mean, there are definitely times where life has just beat me down, man. And um, it's been tough. But I think recently I've just come to a place in my life and in my faith where I realized that complaining and. Like There's definitely a time and place to be to feel sad and feel down and kind of feel your emotions. There's nothing wrong with that, but wallowing in that doesn't really solve anything. And it's amazing that when you try to have that mental shift and when you try to just be grateful for what you have and steward what you have and take care of the things that you have been blessed with, how amazing life just continues to bless you. And that's something that I've noticed over the past couple of years. I've been here in Nashville for about three years, and I was coming off probably one of the toughest points or the toughest point of my adult life. And I was starting fresh up here and it was tough getting like acclimated up here. But once I got, you know, got on my seat and got going, I kind of took that mindset. So it's been rather recent in my adult years, but I'm to a place where I've kind of found my stride in it. And, you know, no matter what happens, I have so much to be thankful for.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's a really, I think that's a really important piece right there. Right. This sort of, This idea of complaining, but like sort of switching that into just like accepting the things as they come, right? It's like, I get a flat tire, my flight gets canceled, my meeting gets canceled, uh, I'm late, right? These things suck. They're annoying, of but we can make the shift to say, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to say, yes, it happened. I accept it, and then how do I move forward? Because a lot of times we want to fight against reality. We want to fight against yeah. reality, and it's just not. You're never going to win. Reality wins. Yeah. Like and so, I like you got the flat tire. It, it, that shit happened. It sucks. Yeah. Yes, you're on your way to this magical date where you had this beautiful connection with this girl. Now you think she might never see you again because you're 30, 45 minutes late, and you have to tell her that you don't know how to change a flat tire. It's like a huge <laughs> deal now, right? But yeah, it's like for sure. But but there's probably something that you can see, maybe not the silver lining in that moment, but you're like, it's really, it's actually not that bad, and it's I'm gonna get through this, yep. right? And uh, that's a that's a really important shift because like those little, just those little minor inconveniences that sort of just chip away at you over time, man. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they can if like, you like if you let them sit inside of you, they're gonna They'll eat go you ahead. up, and you're gonna be just like, ooh, like bitter and resentful and hard to be around. But you can make that shift. That's what's like so cool about all of this stuff is that you can make the choice. I can make the choice to not let that thing deeply affect me. When I do make it to that date, even though I was late, I texted her. I told her I was coming. I'm an hour late. I'll still be there. And when I show up, I'm not pissy. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm like, I made it. That's awesome. Let's still have a great time. Like that's the thing that could probably change the whole trajectory of your life. I I know it did for me, and it seems like you're sort of on that wave right now as well.
1: 100% man and that's the biggest thing And like I was saying there's nothing wrong with feeling your feelings life is gonna happen shit hits the fan and the shoe drops but it's you can't what what's that old saying It's like you can't uh, help what happens to you but you can help how you respond mm-hmm. um, that's truly been something that I've really trying to been leaning into because there's nothing wrong with being upset but how I'm not gonna let this thing ruin my day I'm not gonna let this small thing and it's the small stuff right like you said the flat tire having to turn around the amount of times I've like forgotten my wallet or forgotten my phone. I've had to like, I'm on the interstate. I got to turn around and go grab it or something like that. So, I mean, it's annoying and it's frustrating. You can beat yourself up, but at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. And if you can say, you know what? All right. I'll communicate with whoever I'm going to meet or whatever I'm going to do. Hey, I'm going to be a little bit late. Something came up, whatever it might look like, but don't let it eat at you because harboring all that like, frustration and resentment and anger and anguish in your heart like then you end up taking it out on other people people that you love and care about and they don't deserve that
0: Mm -hmm. yep that's very true so you said you you uh, moved to nashville um right after you had a very challenging or the hardest point in Mm -hmm. your adult life in alabama so would you like to walk us through what was going on there
1: yeah, of course. So um, born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. It's, uh, for those of you that don't, that don't know, it's central Alabama. Um, I grew up in the inner city, moved to the suburbs for uh, high school and middle school. I uh, was fortunate enough to go to college, play ball, play football and ran track in college, got a good degree and started working while I was still in school and continued to work post-grad. I'm, I'm a salesperson, have been a salesperson my entire life. I joke with my friends all the time and say it's the only thing that I'm good at. But um, I can I can sell. And so I got into a position um, after my first job post-grad where I was making a lot of money for a young guy. I was 22, 23 years old making at the time, you know, it might not be much to some folks, but folks from Alabama, I was making a really, really good living. I was making more money than my mother. Um, And I was just frivolous and I had an ego and life came and humbled me and I lost everything. Um, I've been on my own since I was 17, and I actually, for a couple of months, had to move back in with my mother and figure my stuff out. Then the pandemic hit uh, about um, about six weeks after I moved in with my mother. So I lost my job. Um, I'm back home, and at this time, I'm 25 years old. So back home, been out the house since I was 17, and the world shut down. So trying to figure everything out, like kind of uh, – where life is going to take me, where God wants me to be. And I was truly humbled um, and I didn't know what to expect. So I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity uh, with some different job opportunities across the nation. I decided on Nashville because like I said, born and raised, went to school there, worked there. I had never lived anywhere else outside of a 15 mile radius of where I was born. So I made the move up to Nashville, Tennessee, took a different position and kind of really started rebuilding my life. I was fortunate enough that a guy I went to school with, he had a second bedroom, let me move in there for about three, four months, pay him next to nothing for rent while I got on my feet, starting this new job. Uh, When the lease was up in February 21, I moved in and got the spot I'm in now. And I'm just, like I said, that's kind of where everything started just kind of falling into place. When I first moved up here and realizing that I could get on my feet, I could take care of myself again but I had the humbleness and the wisdom and the experience to know that any moment it could all be taken away from you. When you don't steward what you've been blessed with and what you've been given and you don't take care of it, you know, um, like I'm a man of faith. Um, I I'm a firm believer that God will show you, um, how minor and how unimportant these worldly things are and truly kind of where you, where you cast your treasures, where your heart lies. And my heart wasn't in the right place. And, I've ever since that moment, truly just leaned into him, leaned into what he was trying to teach me, the people that he wants me to be around, the kind of person he wants me to be. And he's just continuously blessed me through all of it. Um, I'm in a place now where, you know, I'm well established. I'm um, doing very well for myself again. I'm able to help my mother. My mother's on disability. She's been on disability for probably about six years now. So I'm able to send money home to her, you know, I'm able to go travel to see friends like you mentioned earlier on the call, you know, I'm able to travel to see friends and uh, I'm dating the amazing woman. I can, you know, take her to dinner and things like that. It's, it's really, I'm in a place now where I've got nothing majorly to complain about. And it's all because I've kind of set my sights on something greater than the mundane and the day to day and the things that can be taken away. So, yeah.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank who, you. who instilled in you, um, this sort of work ethic that you have, right? Cause like, things don't just like happen, right? You don't just like play college athletics. You don't just get a good job. You don't just decide to move to Nashville and then pick yourself up by the bootstraps and figure it out. Like those are the things that don't like magically happen, yeah. right? It's like hustle. It's like work ethic. It's determination. It's disciplined, with also a side of with all the other side knowing like I can always get better I need to improve upon these things I've fallen on my feet before which means I can get back up again but I can be a little more grateful for the situation I'm in so for sure long long worded uh question but like who instilled those values in you was it mom was it a mentor was it a coach
1: yeah so I'm I'm very fortunate enough that I've had amazing people in my life I have a very big family so you know my mother my grandparents my aunts uncles older cousins my older brother everybody kind of were like, you can do this, this is on you. Like we've got you. I had an amazing support system, but that hustle was kind of put on me by my mother. Um, so grew up in the inner city, as I mentioned earlier, and she moved us to a wealthier suburb um, so, because they had better schooling because uh, my parents are no longer together. But at the time they went to a local high school that just, the, the kids weren't graduating. The graduation rate was low. Nobody was going to school. Um, and the people that were going to school weren't going to good schools. Um, the athletic programs weren't great. Um, teachers weren't involved in the students' lives. They were just passing you on to the next grade. It was just wasn't a good environment. And I always say, if I could only thank my mother and father for one thing, it would be them making a decision to move us to the suburbs. And when they did, I was able to go to a really good school, a really good school system. And my mother was making twenty, twenty-one thousand $21,000 a year raising two kids in a mm-hmm. suburb where the at our high school, the average family median income. And this is in like the two thousands and 2010s, the early 2010s, the average family median income, household income was like $120,000. So there was a huge, uh, culture shock and discrepancy as far as household where I was coming from and where my friends were coming from. And I saw that my mother, I've always loved school and I knew I was always going to be an academic guy. And I was fortunate enough to have a little bit of athletics on me, but, um, I always knew I was going to have to figure out a way to pay for school if I wanted to go to college. And my mother was like, as much as I'd love to send you, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, we have a roof over our head is all I can do for you right now. And I took that and I ran with it. And like I said, it was great that I love school. So I made good grades. Um, I was a decent enough athlete. So I got some scholarships to play um, at the next level. And I was like, I'm going to make the most out of the opportunity that you're giving me. I'm not going to fumble this bag. And that's kind of what got me to this point in my life it from a young young age I always knew that it was going to be up to me to make it out people had my back and they could support me but it was emotional support you know everything else was going to have to be on me i was going to have to make the connections i was going to have to either front the bill or get somebody else to front the bill uh for whatever it might be but 100 percent, the grind and the hustle that was instilled in me was just by, from watching my mom um and watching all of my family just the things that they did to keep the lights on and keep food on the table.
0: Did you, did you ever feel like a sense of pressure because (laughs) you, you maybe knew that mom couldn't pay for college. So you had to maybe do extra or do more or do like, you're, you're a young kid, right, man. You're like 15, 16, like trying to figure all this out. Like you're only capable of a certain thing. Right. But, did you ever feel that pressure, like oh, I need to do this because this there's no other way, or did you just you just thrive in the moment and take responsibility for that?
1: I'd say it's a little bit of both. I felt the pressure, and when I recognized the situation I was in, I was able to just say, "You know what? Let's get to work." Um, I was, uh, I think I graduated with like a three nine six. I was actually really mad uh, back when everybody took the ACT. I made a twenty nine, and that's a really good score. But at the time, I wasn't guaranteed. You can't. Bank on the fact that you're going to get an athletic scholarship to college, but you can work your tail off to get an academic scholarship at some school. And uh, I was already had it said I was like, I'm just going to go to a state school. It's going to be the cheapest in the best way. And a thirty was a full ride to Bama. A twenty nine was like half, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to afford that. I didn't know anything about how student loans worked at the time. Um, my older brother went, but he never finished, so it was all new to me. I was figuring it all out. So. I, man, I I remember I had a job in high school. I played three sports. Um, I took like seven or eight AP classes. I was in every organization you can imagine. Um, I was out the house, but um, it worked out for the best because obviously it's, you know, catapulted me to be in the position I'm in now. Um, I'm not scared to work. Um, I'm a firm believer that you get what you deserve. Um, (laughs) There's actually one of my favorite Bible verses is... uh, second Thessalonians three ten it's um those who are unwilling to work shall not eat and um it's you know you're going to be blessed you're going to be taken care of to some aspect but you got to put the work in yourself and if you don't then you're not going to live the life that you want to live everybody's not fortunate enough to you know have everything given to them on a silver spoon you know some of us got to get out the mud and pull themselves about by our bootstraps like you said
0: yeah man i i'm th- i've been thinking about this a lot because i uh you know, I coach a young baseball team, and mm-hmm. our younger generation is just having a, a tough time. Like, you're, you're a bit younger than me. I'm 31. How old are you?
1: Just turned 28.
0: Yeah, so not very much younger than me. So, we, we had a different, right? A little bit different. They're growing up with everything in their face all of the time. For sure. And they see all of these influencers become famous without doing the work. And they're like, I want to do that. Now, there's a difference between someone who influences on a certain subject that's an expert in it. Right, you can do a lot of things. You can travel the world and become an expert in traveling. Right, you become you're a model. You talk about modeling, right? But you just get famous off a couple viral videos, but not putting in any work, and now you're an influencer, right? I read I was listening to some Drake the other day. He's awesome. He always has these great one liners, and he said, "These days, fame is detached from excellence." Fame is detached from excellence. And I was like, that's, that's unbelievable. Because normally, right, when you got famous, it, it meant you were excellent at something. You're a famous actor, famous football player, whatever the case may be. You know, I think fame is like a weird thing. It's just like a job you do. But that's another conversation for another time. But it still means that you're excellent at something. It still means you you took the time to become excellent and that's like that's the key thing and nowadays it's, it's like you don't have to be excellent at something to be famous and there's no responsibility there's no ownership there's no work ethic in some of those things like I can be plucked from obscurity thrown on love island and two weeks later I got two million followers in a brand deal now you yeah. might be excellent at a bunch of stuff I might be generalizing a few people on that show and just for the point of the conversation but like my point still stands right it's like where's the excellence in that and that's what i think the younger generation is having a tough time with and so like yeah, yeah, and so like if you if you have all these male role models on social media which we have a couple good ones that's what they're talking about they're talking about responsibility they're talking about ownership they're talking about work ethic and on the on the positive side they're talking about their emotional health as well which is extremely important for young men young boys into adulthood as well and so yeah i just been thinking about that a lot any any thoughts on that No, I
1: I agree 100%. And we we're part of that generation, those like those younger millennials where we saw the internet come and become what it is. You know, when we grew up, you were lucky enough to have one TV in the house and dial up internet at home if y'all were doing all right. You know, I remember we had, you remember like computer class in elementary and middle school where like you're learning how to use a computer? Like that's how we grew up. And you got kids now that they grew up with a tablet in front of their face. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, that's a different conversation for a different day. But you there's so much exposure to so such a small 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 sliver of the population these people that either put the work in and have gotten success or have gotten lucky and gotten success but there's such a fragment of society as a whole but the internet makes everything seem so much closer to home and so much smaller and so you've got these these kids and these young adults that they they think that you know it's just going to come easily or that if it only takes one or two viral hits or viral videos and they don't realize that as quickly as it comes it goes away because you know people's attention span is what is it like like 40 seconds now is the average attention span of an adult which is insane it's you got to stay relevant and if you aren't excellent like you were saying if you aren't putting out content and putting out things that make people stick with you and you're just a one-hit wonder you're gonna be a one-hit wonder and then you're looking up like oh man what, what am i gonna do with my life it's because you spend all your time Focusing on the wrong things and not focusing on skills that are gonna make you not only a more successful person, uh, more successful human and member of society, but a more successful employee or business owner or whatever that looks like. Um, if you aren't sharpening your skills daily and you're just trying to become the next big thing, you're not. You might be one percent of the 000001 percent that makes that happen, but it's gonna be fleeting.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly right do uh based on what you said about the the t i remember we were when flat screen tvs came out and Mm -hmm. you know we had those big box ones and when they first came out i remember they were like ten thousand dollars for a flat screen tv bro
1: yes it was insane (laughs) and they were huge. they were literally like 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 as tall as us six feet tall like massive the, the box the Back of it was huge, yeah. But so it was funny. this massive TV, and now you can get a seventy-five inch on Amazon for four hundred bucks, which is yeah, with insane. like
0: with like internet on it, and voice control. It's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, like the the people behind all of the technology stuff, like whether it's good for society or not, I don't know. But like those are fucking some smart people doing oh, some amazing sure. work, like human beings creating this technology. That's it's wild stuff. It and really so, is. Yeah, but um. I want to talk to you about, because you said you're a salesman outside of your modeling and photography, which we'll talk about as well, but I, I want to pick your brain about how you build relationships, because I know that's something that's like core to you and something you do daily and something you're really good at professionally and personally. Um, so what do you think about when, when trying to build a relationship?
1: Um, I, I don't think, and that's going to sound super counterintuitive. I don't go into it with an end goal. You know, if it's a professional relationship, obviously there's, there might be a portion of the conversation that needs to be had about whatever product or service that I'm trying to assist that person with, but let's just talk life in general first and then get down to a professional level. Life in general, I, you know, people always say you got two ears or one mouth for a reason. You really want to be listening more than you're talking and you just want to go in and get to know somebody, not casually or just as casually as possible. Not like what's, how's the weather, but you know, tell me about yourself. Who are you? How'd you end up where you are today? And listen, put your put your phone in your pocket or turn it face down or whatever, like be attentive to that individual. If it's for 15 seconds or 15 years, you want that person to feel to like believe that you're 100 percent locked in with them. And you should be. It shouldn't be making them believe that they should feel that because you're actually trying to connect with them, look them in the eye. Listen to what they're saying. Ask them questions based on things that they've said. Don't have a preset list of questions that you I want to ask you. You know, if you're telling me like if I meet you out at a bar or at a party or at an event, and I'm like I don't know anything about you, don't, I might start off the conversation with like Oh, how are you enjoying tonight?" And then we go from there. We just let the conversation organically happen. You know, if you have two people that are eager to connect with each other, the conversation will flow. And those little awkward hiccups aren't going to be so awkward because that's just part of human connection. Um, you know, we don't have the same brain, so we're not always going to be on the same page. But if I'm trying to meet you where you are, that's another thing. Don't go in with preconceived notions about somebody. Try and meet them where they are and see who they are as a human before you make a snap judgment. Because you never know why somebody acted that way or believes that. Talk, just talk to them and be willing and open to listen. I think that's kind of where it starts from a humanity level. And from a professional level, you know, same thing. You're going in and getting to know that individual. Why are they with this organization? Why are they in this role in the organization? What do they do in their role? Do they enjoy their role? Kind of what ideally do they want to gain from the conversation from their point of view? And then I bring in whatever product or service that I'm discussing with them. And it's never a pushy thing, it's never a situation where it's like, you need this today. It's you're talking to them and realizing that for the past, however many years or months or days they've been living without this product or service, they will continue to live without this product or service going forward, but it could hopefully aid in their life. And it's, if it's not what you need, I'll tell you straight up the amount of people I've turned away and said, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be a good fit. Or, well, I don't think you need to spend money on this right now, or I don't think that this is the right X, Y, Z for you. I have no problem doing that because then they're going to respect you. And chances are they got two or three people that they know that could use your product or service, and So they're going to work as a referral and be like, hey, there's this guy. He wasn't trying to pull one over on me. He really was looking out for me. He listened to me. I think you should give him 15 minutes of your time. And that's how you grow your pipeline in life and professionally.
0: Yes. I mean, that's the mark of someone who is who is honest, right? It's like, it's like your ability to say no to things uh, is a more marker of your values than anything else. Like if I know exactly what I want and what I don't want, then I can okay with saying no. And it's the same thing with what you're selling. If I'm selling a product and just like you said, right, it's like, Hey, I don't think this is for you. Um, but I'm telling you about it anyways, just in case you might know people who this might be for, but I want to be honest and truthful about that because that's the sort of person I am. That's the values I want to live by. And I think that shows so much about you as a person, you know, all that stuff. And I think you know, that's, that's the, that's like the, the cornerstone of building relationships, right? There was this 85 year study they did at Harvard and it just like, just recently ended. And it was like a study about how to live the good life. And the number one predictor of a good life was relationships. Simply put outside of like your health, right? You have to have good health, take care of yourself. Right. But outside of that is relationships. Relationships. And it's not, not relationships with 700 different people. It's like, your one to three relation, one to two, three people that you have a relationship with. How tight are they? How close are they? How good are they? Like mm-hmm. they hold you accountable. Do they love you? Do they pick you up when you're down? Right. Do they celebrate your successes even more than you do? Like some of that really important stuff, right? Do they just get fired up about the things that you do and you're not even noticing these good stuff you're doing? They, oh my God, when you're on the ground in the trenches, in the mud, they're like, Hey, I'll link arms with you. I'll pick you up. I'm not going to do that the for you, but I'm there for you. Right. It's like, those are the things we can build like reciprocal honest relationships where i'm looking this person in the eye no matter who they are and i'm assuming they're doing the best they can because i love them and i feel for them and you can you can feel that about any person that you meet right because we're all yeah. we all know what how hard being a human is yeah I, for sure so it's like you can relate to a, to a person like I didn't grow up in the same place you grew up but I know what heartbreak feels like I know what sadness feels like I know what overwhelm feels like yeah you experience them in a way different way than I did but there's still a relatable piece there between you and I that can't be taken away from us no matter what and humanity
1: is a, is the great equalizer we all yeah. experience humanity and it doesn't matter like you said where you come from what your creed is we all have gone through the same emotions to some extent and if you lean into that And try to connect with somebody on that level. It doesn't matter where you come from, but we all, we're all living the same life in different bodies, you know? Yeah. And if you, if you just recognize that and realize that, then it makes it, you're a lot, you're able to be a lot more empathetic
0: and sympathetic towards your fellow man. Yeah. Yeah. You said you were in a relationship these days, which is beautiful. Very happy for you. Um, what advice would you, would you give to a young man who maybe is struggling to get into relationship or doesn't know where to start or is sort of scared, like all of these things that we felt when we were young men, you know, going out into the world, but, um, any bits of wisdom?
1: Yeah, I've got a few pieces. I mean, one would be set your pride aside. I feel like your pride and your ego. So I'll say both of those together, set your pride and your ego aside, because a lot of the things that we as men tend to do. Tend to be for other men. You know, like I want the guys to think I'm cool. I want my boys to think mm. I'm driving a cool car. I want my boys to think I'm dating this hot girl, whatever it looks like. I want everybody to think I'm making all this money and have this hot shot job. A lot of things we do are for mostly our guys, but the world in general's global appeal. Set all that aside and really lean into who you are as a person, the things that make you, Aaron, unique, the things that you enjoy doing, the things that you hate, and don't realize what's obviously there are some trivial things like if you don't like olives don't date like and you try choose not to date a girl just because she likes olives that's very trivial but you know <laughs> who you are at your core being uh refuse to be wavering in who you are at your core and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you um i think that's that's one big piece of advice Two is take care of yourself um mm-hmm. you you become uh It's like you become like 80% more attractive if you just wear clothes that fit you, take care of your skin, like wash your face, shower regularly, um, where it's not about how much you spend on things, you know, clean your shoes every now and again, like how you present yourself to the world shows that you care about yourself. You care about your parents. You care about how people perceive you. Sounds counterintuitive to what I just said, but it's about having confidence in who you are when you walk out the door every day. It's not about what you have on. It's not about how much it costs. It's not about anything. It's about, like I said earlier, stewardship. It's about taking care of the things you have. And your body is one thing that's with you for the entirety of your life. You've got to take care of it, you know. Get a haircut regularly, or if you can't afford it, figure out how to cut your own hair. It, um, Like I said, it doesn't matter what shoes you have on or what clothes you have on. Make sure they fit. Make sure they're clean. You know, if you have access to a washing machine or a laundromat, taking showers regularly if you can. These are things that, show that you put in the effort and care about how people see you that's going to be a huge click to to how women if you like women how they perceive you and want to go for you another piece of advice i'd give them is let a lot of things go and not in a sense of like i said being a pushover or a a walking mat but things that aren't that big of a deal oh she didn't text me back for 15 minutes bro, it's 15 minutes. She could be doing anything in the world. It's, it's okay. You know? Um, oh man. Like she, she opened up my Snapchat and didn't respond or like, she'd like this guy's pick, whatever it might look like. If you aren't being disrespected, then it's not that serious. Mm. Just give them grace. Because if you were in that situation, you'd want grace, right? So give her, give whoever you're dating that same respect that you are hoping to get. And a lot of things really aren't that deep. I think if you do those three things, Lean into who you are. Try try to be comfortable with who you are because that's difficult. I mean, at 28 years old, there's still things about myself that I'm a little insecure about. And I think that's a normal and that's part of the human condition. But if you try to love yourself for who you are and you try to present yourself as well as you can for without taking like taking yourself out of house and home and you let the trivial things go. You'd be shocked at how receptive people are going to be to the kind of man that you're trying to be and all that going back to relationships, building relationships. When you're talking to a woman, be respectful, open a door for, her. I'm, I'm from Alabama. I'm real old school. I'm real Southern open a door for, her. if you have the funds pay for the first date, if you don't have the funds for a first date, plan it, be intentional. Don't say, Hey, I want to hang out. What are you doing? What do you like to do? Say, Hey, would you like to go for a walk in the park at six on Thursday? Stuff like that, take initiative. These are things that don't cost anything and things that will she she's not used to seeing because a lot of guys, doesn't matter young or old, don't take initiative and they're not respectful and they don't look at women as humans. They kind of look at them as a prize or something to obtain or possess. If you look at them as somebody that I want to have a relational like a relationship with. You know, it's, they know that they notice that and they feel that so kind of all over the place, but I think it all boils down to respect for yourself and respect for her.
0: Yeah. And, and viewing that woman as someone who can bring immense value into your life. Yes. Right. There's probably three, there's three women in my life that I love more than I will ever imagine love is possible. And all they've done is bring joy and light and, like, just this – like I I, there's no, I don't have words for it. It's like my mom, my sister, and Rhi have brought that into my life that I, I – that's what I see in other women. I'm like, you yeah. are probably doing that for someone else. You – like, it's they beautiful. do things that are, like, are miracles, literal miracles. And if yeah. we as men can see them that way, then we are going to – not that we have to, like, run our lives to be attractive to women. Of course not. Yeah. but we are, we, we have to have a goal. That's what we are. We're, we're goal driven as men. We're action driven. And if I can say to myself, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to move. I'm going to uh, learn how to communicate better and be more sophisticated with my clothing, um, in hopes that I can be attractive to the women that I see as very valuable to my life. Um, then that's a positive, that's a net positive. 100%. Now, you know, there's times where guys will go through sort of what we maybe call a hoe phase, but <laughs> you know, uh, whatever females can do that as well but like for guys I think it's important that we close that loop because like when I'm walking down the street with my lady and I think to myself this is exactly where I want to be now if I haven't potentially closed that loop I may be like oh what's that girl over there you know what's happening over here so you have to be like if you're going to be a man who is committed to a relationship you have to be committed like if you want to sleep with a lot of women don't get in a relationship that's and be honest with the people
1: that yes Right be honest with the people that you're hanging out with and let them know where you are initially, you mm-hmm. know, from the very beginning. Be like, hey, I'm really enjoying our time together before we go any further. I want to let you know I'm not looking for anything super serious right now. If that's a turn off. I completely understand we can go our separate I'll pay for the dinner. We'll go our separate ways. And you never know because some sometimes people just want to have a good time. But you want to be respectful of their time, just like you'd want somebody to be respectful of your time and your feelings.
0: Right, exactly exactly you have to be you have to be someone who stands by their word yes. you say you're say you're looking for something serious and you want to make a commitment then make the fucking commitment Come on. and if you're if you're not feeling it anymore or something changed or like whatever like be honest be straightforward don't be shady don't do stuff behind their back don't cheat like be someone who is has integrity that's very important yes. because that's where like you know some stuff about men we get a lot of bad Reputation about certain things, and like that's overgeneralizing every male, right I know a lot of really good dudes out there, and so yeah, do you for sure um, but if we want to create that, we have to be people who stand by our words we have to yes. be, and we have to hold ourselves accountable for that and so that's really it's important that to for, change that narrative yes yes it's it's really important for those young people out there who are listening to this, and so yeah. that we can create more unity between between men and women or whoever partners whatever partnership we're trying to create that doesn't matter it's still love um exactly. and so that's where it's at but um what's your what's your take on on like how do you how do you view strong or healthy masculinity oh yeah this
1: is a conversation i have a lot with a lot of my guy friends um <clears throat> because i think masculinity and femininity are something that are innately in all people you know it's mm-hmm. it's part of who we are and it's a, it's a great balance and it's a great dance and so there's nothing wrong with wanting to be and actively being a masculine man But I think that society and especially Western culture has really shifted and tarnished what that means. And so to me, to be a healthy, masculine man and proud of it um, is somebody that is in touch with their feelings. Um, There's nothing wrong with feeling the way you feel. There's nothing wrong. But it's how you communicate those feelings of example of toxic masculinity is I get mad. I fly off the handle, punch a hole in the wall and I'm abusive to those around me, verbally, physically, whatever that looks like. Uh, Example of healthy masculinity is I get angry. I take a moment. I sit in it, understand why I'm angry. If I got to go in a room by myself and cool off, do whatever I got to do, but I'm not lashing out on people. I'm not going off on people. And then when I'm composed enough, I come back and address the situation. That's an example of healthy masculinity. Both guys felt the exact same emotion. Both guys probably want to do the exact same thing, but control is a huge marker of healthy masculinity another one like i said is respect respect for all people doesn't matter what you believe doesn't matter who you are where you come from um i'm gonna respect you you know respect is i'm a firm believer that i'm gonna give respect regardless but you know there are people that there are different situations where if you aren't respected you're not gonna take disrespect i'm gonna respect you but i'm not gonna allow you to disrespect me does that make sense Mm mm-hmm that's another example of a uh, healthy masculinity healthy masculinity is somebody that has the need and the urge to protect and to uh, make a safe space for those around him um that looks like whether it's you know actually fit being a physical protector of a threat coming at you or just cultivating a safe space for your girl to be able to come to her with her emotions and you not gaslight her and you not lead her on and you not uh push her to the side cultivating a safe space where she feels protected physically, but also emotionally with you. That's healthy masculinity. Um, another example of healthy masculinity is kind of how we present ourselves, not in a bra- bravado, my chest is bigger than yours, like don't mess with me sense. but I'm gonna walk into this world confident in the man I am and the man I'm trying to be. Understanding my faults, understanding my shortcomings, but not allowing those to stop me from pursuing the goals that I have for myself. Those are a couple yeah. of th- ways that I, I think what I think it means to be a healthy masculine man.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. Like it's, it's the exactly what you said, right? It's, it's walking the tight rope between masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And if you have the voluntary control to be able to toggle between both, then boom, right? If my I'm walking down the street and someone attacks my family, I, I got to protect them. Gotcha. Like If you're, if you're someone who just, you know, sort of gets weak and and scared and gets moved. We're all scared in that moment, but we stand up for the things that we love, right? But at the same time, I come home from work. I'm not feeling very good. Like I had a stressful day. I'm feeling sad. I I got rejected a bunch of times. Like I tell tell my partner, hey, I'm just like, I'm feeling it today. Like uh, I'm feeling like 20%. I need a little bit extra from you. If you could help me here, here and here, that would be great. That's it, right? I'm not, like, and exactly what you talked about with the anger one is, like, it's, it's so perfect and beautiful. That's such a great way to put it. Like, we all feel anger. Like, anger is a regular human thing. But what do we do when we feel it, right? Like you said, do we punch a hole in a wall or do we take a deep breath? Okay, what's happening? Why? What can I do to compose myself? Like, that. that's it right there. And I, I cannot stand the phrase toxic masculinity simply because, like, Young boys, all all young boys do is hear that and all they refer to as all parts of my masculine energy are toxic. That's not true. That's, that's not, not true. true. It's not true. And so we have to be able to frame it in this way. Like, yes, you, you can embody your masculine energy, but you also need to embody the sort of feminine traits of being in touch with yourself and your emotions and being able to share and express, but also have this sort of dangerous, capable side of you that's under voluntary control. And that's uh, that's a very important piece. And so 100%. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Your wisdom. Very wise. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> but, uh, there's a couple more things. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I have a yeah, couple more sure. important yeah. nuggets that I want to talk about. One, I, I want on. to get into your sort of modeling career. Cause I think that's, um, very cool. Very interesting. Um, how did you get into it? Why did you get into it and what's your status with it right now?
1: Yeah. So my story is very abnormal. I never saw myself as a model. Um, I actually back in Birmingham used to have a clothing line and, I was visiting one of my friends had just recently opened up a photography studio. And so I was downtown visiting his studio, seeing it. It was brand new. So just chopping it up with him. And in there was one of his homegirls that was a photographer. And so we're chopping it up. We introduce ourselves and he's like, Hey, you're gonna um she's about to shoot you real quick. I was like, I like I'm taking pictures like in front of an iPhone, like Instagram pictures like since high school, but It was never anything like that. I've never really been in front of a camera. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. She was like, just stand over there. I'm just going to get some test shots. There's a meetup later. So I stood, got some test shots. It was cool. We're chopping it up, figuring out, or she's learning more about me. I'm learning more about her. She's like, hey, later this afternoon, there's a creative meetup in this part of downtown Birmingham. You should come through. I'm like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to do that. So I run back to the house. I like throw on some of my gear, like some of my stuff that's unreleased yet. And I'm going, because I think I'm just going to, it's going to be some photographers Maybe some other uh, artists, visual artists. I didn't really know what to expect, but I wanted to have my product on me so that people could ask about it and be interested and maybe buy something. So I go, uh, put an outfit on, um, throw on some of my gear, and I go to this meetup. And I'm just kind of chopping it up with folks, watching them work. And uh, a gentleman comes over to me and he's like, hey, uh, do you mind if I take some pictures of you? Because it was a photography meetup. So it was a bunch of like freelance models and a couple mm. of side models and a lot of photographers was not expecting that, but that gentleman came over. He was like, Hey, do you mind if I shoot you? So he's taking some pictures of me, kind of posing me, showing me what to do. And my, I'm facing the wall and my back is out towards the world. And I turn around and I kid you not, there's maybe like 16 different cameras shooting me all at the same time. So it was, it was kind of overwhelming, but I was just doing it. And, um, Fast forward, uh, they're sending me the pictures I'm posting on Instagram and like getting feedback. It's so cool. I did not know you model. I was like, I don't. And then I had a couple of smaller brands reach out to me to model for them. Um, one of them was Hibbit Sports, which is big in the southeast. I think you all have them in Texas, but it's a sporting goods brand. Um, and so they asked me to model for Hibbit Sports. And at that shoot, I met another guy. It was our first time modeling. He signed to my current agent. We actually got really cool. Uh, fast forward, he was up here in Nashville or he was coming up here to Nashville to do a shoot for Keith Urban, uh, where he was just going to be an extra and they needed some more extras. So he reached out to me. I was like, yeah, I've got nothing to do. And so we drove up to Nashville. We drove up here and we shot with Keith Urban all day. It was supposed to be a crossover between the CMA awards and March Madness. This is in February, 2020. So, um, I like emailed back the guy that was putting all of it on uh, Mark Block. That's my agent, and I emailed him back. I was like, "Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a great day. Um, if you have anything else, please let me know. I'd love to know what it takes to get signed." Because at this point, for about eight months, I had been modeling freelance, doing different shoots around the city, and doing stuff um, in front of the camera, and so I had a, built up a little bit of a portfolio at this point. I uh, uh, came or. He emailed me back. He's like, when's the next time you're going to be in Nashville? I'm like, actually, in probably like two weeks, he's like, "Okay, if you've got time, come up to my office here and let's meet. So I came up, met with Mark, and um, he signed me on the spot. I asked him, what does it take to get signed by a guy like you? And he said, I would have invited you here if I didn't want to sign you. And so got signed by Mark. And then that was February 2020. And then obviously everything happened. World shut down for a while. And I moved up to Nashville in July 2020. So like I said, it's coming up on three years. And I didn't get my first gig, my first signed gig until December of 2020. And that's just kind of when stuff started rolling in. And yeah, I actually just got back from Brooklyn, New York earlier this week. Um, I was uh, shooting for a shoe company, old basketball company and one. So that was a really cool situation. I've done some other big campaigns, a lot of stuff with hotels. I've done laundry, like game laundry detergent. Singer sewing machines Caesar dog food. I've had some really awesome opportunities and every time I get there and it's like a really big campaign, I'm like, I shouldn't be here. Like, I'm like, I'm just like, truly, I just say I'm just a kid from Alabama, but I'm so thankful for every opportunity I've been given. And I've got a couple of shoots next week and it's just really great that I'm able to do this on the side. Um, It's great side money. I'm able to invest. I'm able to save up, go do things. It's a really cool additional stream of income. Um, and I love I love my agent. I love the models I've worked with, the photographers and videographers. I'm just really thankful to be where I'm at right now.
0: Is there a um, an end goal uh, with this or a, yeah. something you're trying to reach or just something <clears> that you enjoy doing?
1: Yeah, it's just something I enjoy doing. Uh, my agent asks me all the time if I want to take it full time. People ask me if I want to take it full time. But I think that I'm just at a place where I like my autonomy a little too much Uh, because when you're a model, obviously, you're being compensated for how you look and how you represent whatever brand or organization that you're modeling for. And so, for example, there's a um, hair care company called Shea Moisture. I want to say it was like two summers ago. My hair was a lot longer. My beard was a lot thicker. And I cut my hair down the wavelength, cut my beard down super, super low. The next day, I got an email from my agent. and He was asking me if I want, like, they picked me. They wanted me to be in this campaign. It was a massive nationwide campaign. And uh, I told him, I was like, I don't have my hair and my beard anymore. He's like, why don't you tell me? Uh, Another example that I've got, I'm pretty heavily tattooed. I've got my thighs done. I've got, like, a half sleeve stomach. My back's done. And there have been multiple shoots that, Either they have to bring in a makeup artist day of that they weren't expecting to, or I just have to turn down because I'm I'm too heavily tattooed for the the image they're going for. Especially if it's video work, it's a lot harder to edit that kind of stuff and post uh, versus like Photoshop if it's just photos, right? So I think I'm I wouldn't take it full time uh, just because, like I said, I want I want more tattoos. I want to be able to do with my hair as I please. And also, it's just a lot of pressure being constantly, I guess, uh, looked at for how you look. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want to be a guy, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I understand that feeling because I, you know, I used to be a professional wrestler. And yeah. so I, I was out there in a the crowd in my undies, basically. And, you know, some days I felt like, you know, just an, like a tub, like I had a, a meal that I didn't want to have and... I was flying, I was traveling for seven straight days and I haven't had a workout, a proper one. And it's like, I feel, I feel miserable, but I got to go out there and I got to perform. And, you know, no one else is thinking about it and the crowd, they're just enjoying the performance and doing the thing. But in in my head, exactly. I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) Um, but that also comes with like, you know, me, you know, loving my body a little bit more and appreciating the things that it does rather than just perfectly how it looks all the time. But Sure. as a model right that's you're deciding to do that right people are ultimately going to uh objectify you for how you look not that, yeah. that that's the purpose of modeling but like that's, but that's one what of the things at the end of the right? day
1: yeah you're compensated based on how you look that's objectification and it sucks but like i said it's it's a really cool opportunity and a lot of the stuff i do um i'm able to be authentically myself um so whether i actually just had a shoot for a hotel up here in nashville and You know, it was just us like having dinner and having like a happy hour. So like we were able to just be smiley and enjoy life a little bit. Those are the kind of things I enjoy doing. The stuff where it's like I've got to watch what I'm eating for the next two and a half weeks because I'm going to be shirtless like in a pool. Those aren't as great, you know, because then then you get in your head. But um, I'm, I'm loving it for right now. If I never had another modeling gig, it'd be really cool to be able to tell my future kids like, hey, yeah, your dad used to be a model. Uh, Um, but it's, I don't want it to be who I am. I want it to be one thing that I do.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful frame on that. How do you, um, take care of yourself? Do you have a daily routine? You have a weekly routine. What's that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So I love to work out. i mentioned it a couple of times. I'm a, a former college athlete, play a couple sports in college. And so I love to stay fit. Um, I work out in the gym five to six times a week. Um, I watch what I eat. I, I eat pretty good throughout the week. Um, I eat three to four meals a day, you know, whole foods, your veggies, your proteins, all that stuff. I'm, I don't count calories. I don't meal prep. I love to cook, so I don't mind cooking every day. Um, but I kind of I really watch what I take, take in. I'm a big sleeper. I'm, gonna, I'm going to sleep eight hours a day. And ideally, I'm sleeping about 10 hours a day. Um, I wake up, work out in the morning. I wake up probably about 6, 15 get ready. I'm at the gym by seven at the latest, get about an hour workout in, come home, shower, and I work from home. So then I hop on my 9 a.m. call. That's usually about 30 minutes. After that, I'll cook breakfast and kind of go from there. Uh, my biggest advice is I love a beer, man.
0: So <laughs> on weekends
1: or especially now during the summer, I've got a little patio. So when I get off work, my workouts are already done. I'll go sit on my patio, have a beer too. That's the biggest thing for me. But overall, um, that's how I take care of myself. I'm, I'm making sure I sleep right. I'm watching what I eat. Try not to drink too much. Um, I'm obviously active, and also the things I consume um, to really help with like the mental turmoil. So like I'm making sure I'm watching and listening to motivational stuff and stuff that uplifts you. I'm making sure that I'm reading a book a month or something along those lines. I'm a book every two months, you know, something to keep me keep my mind sharp so that my mindset is in the right place you
0: know yeah fantastic and earlier you mentioned that you just found a new therapist um how what's what's your mental health journey been like have you always had a therapist what was that initial uh decision to to get a therapist
1: yeah so um obviously uh one thing that I've really learned in the past two years to preface this is my diagnoses are not who I am they're a part of who I am and I won't be defined by them so I used to Because what I'm about to drop on you, and we've had a little bit of conversation, but for everybody else, um, what I'm about to drop on you, there is still a stigma against. Um, I'm a diagnosed uh, bipolar. Um, I have OCD. I have GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. And I also have schizophrenic tendencies. So I've got a host of mental health issues that I've been struggling with my entire life. And um, I started going to therapy in sixth grade. Um, It was uh, a program through the school counselor. That I was able to go to therapy for free and then I did that all throughout middle and high school in college I was able to see the on-campus uh therapists you know they licensed doctors that were that we had access to at my college so I saw them and then post-grad I had been in therapy I haven't been in therapy since February 2020 so um because I like I said I lost everything I lost my job so I couldn't afford it and then the world shut down and I needed to find a new therapist I you know It was hard to find access when I moved up here. Had to find a therapist. And I finally, after about three years, have found someone. Today was our second session. So it's been really good Um, so far. You know, it's early, but I'm enjoying it. But my mental health journey has been a lot of ups and downs. You know, I've been medicated, I've been off meds for the past three years. Um, I've had some low lows. Um, Suicide is a very real thing. Um, And it's something that I've attempted and struggled with, but I thank God every day that I didn't succeed. I'm still here, you know, because it's really life sucks a lot of times. And the things that when you're going through, um, a mental break, the things that you tell yourself aren't true, but you believe they're true. And it's. Difficult, especially when you're young. You're a young man, and you've got things that society is putting on you. You got family and friends putting pressure on you, and then your own brain isn't even being nice to you. And it can be oh, like it can be too much, a lot of times. Um, and so, I'm like I said, I'm to a place now where I'm stable. Um, I definitely have my ups and downs, but I'm trying to really kind of keep that even kill. And I have a. Hosts of people around me that I love and that I cherish, and they know where I'm at. And I know I can go to them. I can go to my mother. I can go to my aunt. I can go to my girl. I can go to these people that they know exactly where I'm at. They know what I struggle with, and when I'm in that place, they know how to meet me there, and they know how to give me the care I need. So, and like I said, I'm very fortunate. I know a lot of people don't have that support system. I will never not thank God every day for that, but. Mental health has been something that I'm going to struggle with my entire life. You know, the, like I said, they're diagnoses, but they're not who I am. Um, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing that I can help. I was just born with it. You know, genetics are a bitch sometimes. And, you know, I was blessed with genetics that may be a college athlete, but the same genetics that I struggle with these these demons. But like I said, I'm just thankful that I'm stable and that I have people that know where I'm at and have access to me when things are looking a little bleak.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. One, of course. Of course. thank you for um, still being here. That's no, it's no small thing. It's no small decision, right? I, I, I know what it looks like very, very personally to be in the depths of hell. Basically, is yeah. what that is. Yeah. Like, and with support, obviously, to be able to pull yourself back up out of the depths of hell. And make the decision that you want to keep moving forward. Um, I've never seen anything stronger in my life. Um, my my big sister, Rachel, did that for a very very long time until she unfortunately lost her battle. But um, that the like it's it's possible, right? It's possible. You are an example. Sheen is an example of that. Even if you were diagnosed with something, it is not a death sentence. It is not a death trap you can exactly. live and succeed and do everything that you want to do in life but you have this thing that you have to t- they have to take care of you have to look at it you have to manage it you have to keep a sort of clock on it you have to have people around you who really know like and you just have to give them that little nod like hey i'm feeling like a little this it's not for everybody yeah
1: yeah right of your deepest
0: darkest secrets aren't for everybody yes we happen to be sharing this on a podcast but this is just for the general public that yeah. you know that you're someone who deals with this stuff but still goes out in their life and, and fulfills and has purpose and meaning and love and joy and all of these beautiful things. But you still experience some of these some of these downs and um, now you're able to manage it a little bit better and uh, it's no small feat man. And so like hopefully hopefully you're at a point where you feel proud of yourself because you fucking should. You know, because it's like it's not a, it's not an easy thing. Like I literally know what it looks like in, yeah. in a most horrible, dire situation. And you're right here in front of me. I'm going to see you soon. Uh, and like you, you've like the world needs you, right? Everyone, your unique gifts and talents and the way you express things and the way you love and the way you move in the world. We need that. We need you. If you're feeling this way right now, listening to this, like we need you. Not yes, we do. someone else. You. The, this yeah. version, this beautiful, perfect version of you. Um, and you can make the choice. I know it's hard. You can make yeah. the choice, though, to try and stay for just one more hour, one more second, one more minute, and then you move from there. And so, man, yeah. yeah so, there's nothing wrong with asking
1: for help. There's nothing wrong with, there's, you don't, you don't feel like, don't, I don't want anybody listening to this to feel like they have to fight it alone because I guarantee there's at least one person in your life that would come drop everything for you and it's it's not it's not easy but just like aaron said man if if you can hold on for one more minute one more hour you will make it through that tunnel i I promise i've been in the depths of hell many a time and i know my demons by name but they aren't gonna beat me Mm -hmm. they aren't gonna beat me you actually uh aaron you'll probably get a kick out of this um so I started uh, hashtagging all, on all of my Instagram pictures probably two years ago, three years ago, T-A-K-M-Y, I actually have it tattooed on me. And it's, they ain't killed me yet. And it's kind of funny, it's a joke, like, yeah, they ain't killed me yet, like, life hadn't gotten me, but truly, like, I haven't let this get the best of me. And, you know, it, they're going to have to work harder than that to take me out at this point. And right. like I said, it's, it's tattooed on me, it's the hashtag on all of my Instagram posts and social media posts. T-A-K-M-Y. They ain't killed me yet. It's even my license tag, you know? So if you ever are in Tennessee and see me driving around, it's me. You know, if you see that in front of you, it's it's something I hold truly near and dear. It's an easy reminder, no matter what you've been through. What is, what's that saying? Uh, you made it through all of your toughest days. Like Oh, yeah, listen, yeah you it made it you through made 100% through all... of your worst
0: days. 100% yeah. of your worst days.
1: Yeah, and that's real. You've done it before. You can do it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was, was, was going to bring up that, um, that saying, and I also wanted to end on this uh, and get your thoughts on it, but you have Attempting to Fight Well Every Day on your Instagram, and I think that basically sums up pretty much everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's something that I actually heard a couple of uh, months ago in my men's group Bible study, and um, he was like, it doesn't matter what you go through mentally, emotionally, spiritually, if you wake up every day and you attempt to fight well if you're if you're a person that struggles with alcoholism that doesn't make you a bad person but you know you don't want to go to sleep with a bottle of jack next to you that's not fighting well you know putting it in another room or like taking it out of your house pouring it out that's fighting well it doesn't define what you go through it doesn't define any of you but it's your attempt to put yourself in the best best position to succeed attempt to fight well every day and from a mental health standpoint same thing who you're around knowing what your triggers are um, being able to see affordable help uh, somewhere there there are different ways that you can attempt to fight well every day and if you do that you're going to continue to make it through your toughest days don't let them take you out
0: yeah that's beautiful thank you thank, thank you too. for for being exactly who you are and you. Um, yeah being a joy and a light in the world thank you for joining me, for talking to me. Thanks for being friends with my fiance. So I, we can be friends. It's beautiful. Perfect. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I hope to see you soon, man.
1: I'll make it happen. Don't worry.
0: All right. Cheers guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Jalen Hawley. What idea stood out to you the most? What idea resonated with you most deeply that you could potentially implement that into your life starting right now? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbitz directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit. You are loved. So if you click the link in the show notes, it'll take you directly there and you can check out which tier might work best for you. But most importantly, most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.